Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that we're able to gather together. I thank you for our online audience here at New Life and the opportunity that we're having to worship with them. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is in all places and where we are gathered, you are there with us, among us, and I'm thankful for that, Father. I pray now that you would take my words and that you would make them yours, that my presence would be invisible, but your presence would be known. Only say what you desire to have said. You name we pray. Amen. I would tell you, you could have a seat, but you're probably on your couch. Welcome to New Life. My name is Mark, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at New Life, and we are overjoyed to have you here with us. I know many of you have been worshiping with us online since March, and many more of you are continuing to worship with us online through this holiday season, and we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your generosity. We're thankful for your willingness to come and attend worship with us. We're thankful that you're here today, so thank you for being here. Right now, we are closing in on the end of a series called New Beginnings, Thrill of Hope. In this series, we have been looking at Christmas songs each week. We've been connecting those Christmas songs to the Bible verses that they're based off of, and we've been taking truth out of those songs and taking a look of how that applies to our lives. We're in week four of five weeks, and so today we're looking at the fourth song in the Thrill of Hope series. The song that we're going to be looking at is Joy to the World. Now, we just sang it, but if you're like me and sometimes you zone out during singing, then you may have not known the lyrics. Well, you probably know the lyrics. Let's be honest, you probably sang it since you were a child in some form or fashion. But let me go ahead and go through the lyrics of Joy to the World with you. Joy to the World says this, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rock hill, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Before we jump in, I want to take a look at our take-home point today. Our take-home point's the one point that I'm going to seek to make so that we can take it out and live it out in the week ahead. This week's take-home point is this. True joy is only found in the joy of the world. True joy is only found in the joy of the world. Listen, I love Christmas, and Christmas is right around the corner. I, uh, I love everything about Christmas. I love Christmas decorations, even though I despise putting them up. Uh, I'm kind of like a curmudgeon or uh, Scrooge when it comes to that. Um, I love Christmas parties and celebrations. I love Christmas food and I love Christmas food and I love, love, love all of the Christmas food, specifically the cookies. All of it to me is great. Now I know for some of us, we don't necessarily love Christmas. Maybe Christmas is a tough time of year for us. Maybe it's because we work in retail and Christmas is just insane. I know for a lot of people, the Christmas season can be a little bit crazy, but I love how Christmas slows down for a lot of folks. I love that Christmas is just this time where you're more often going to take a nap. And if I'm honest with you, I've been 
taking naps since March, but still, I'm making sure to take naps around Christmas. It's a time when you stay in a little bit more often. You spend a little bit more time with family. You slow down enough to maybe watch a couple of Christmas movies. I love the pacing of Christmas. I know for some of you, Christmas isn't really a joyous time because you've suffered a loss, either this Christmas season or a previous Christmas season. But for me, Christmas is so special. And I know that this year, Christmas is a little bit crazier, mostly because of COVID. You know, if you had told me back in March that COVID was going to last through Easter, I would have told you that you were crazy. But yet here we are approaching Christmas and our ever nagging uninvited guest called COVID-19 is wondering if they're going to be invited to Christmas dinner and receive a Christmas card this year. This Christmas we need. For me, I'm more excited about Christmas this year than maybe any Christmas since I was a child. I think I need Christmas this year mostly because I just need a break. And I think if we're honest, most of us in this season, we could use a break. 2020 has been a little bit overwhelming. And maybe a more accurate use or a more accurate adjective is relentless. For me, 2020 has been relentless. COVID-19 has been tireless in a way. It never lets its hooks out of my conversations, out of my thoughts, uh, out of my weekend plans. It seems that COVID-19 would like to mess up a little bit of everything. And I'll be honest with you, I cleared out a lot of my schedule in the couple of weeks leading up to Christmas because I knew that I needed Christmas. And I knew that I did not want to be quarantined during Christmas, which may be why some of you are worshiping with us online right now. You just know that you really need Christmas. With everything that 2020 has thrown at us, I think it deserves a genuine, genuine celebration, a genuine Christmas to end the year. And like I said, I know for some of us or many of us, Christmas may not be that super joyous time, but my hope and my prayer has been that Christmas would be everything that Christmas was meant to be for me, for my family, and for you and your family in 2020. In so many ways, Christmas looks innocent and pure, kind and refreshing in light of everything else that 2020 has thrown at us. As we look at the birth of Jesus, it's almost picturesque. The cute manger, the young baby Jesus, the starry night in small Israel. It's almost perfect. It seems so innocent and so refreshing to us. Well, when in reality, in fact, if you listen to Pastor Barry preach last week, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to his sermon, there may have been a bit of an over-romanticized form of the nativity scene that we believe in today, or the one that we take a look at. And maybe that's because for most of us, the first time we heard about the nativity scene was in a child's picture book, Uh, or maybe... (laughs) if it's true, possibly on a felt board for the first time. I know for me, the first time I heard about the nativity scene was probably at home, but the first time I saw it depicted was probably on a felt board in a Sunday school room. If we're honest, we may have a pretty naive view of what that original starry night really looked like. I mean, think about it. Think about our manger scenes. In our manger scenes, the ones, we have a couple in our house for our girls, and we have this beautiful olive wood one that we picked up in Israel whenever I traveled there uh, back in 2012. 
But even in that one, the animals in the Christmas scene, the donkeys and, and the sheep, they look like they almost have like a human-like intellect and they're looking down at Jesus lovingly like the precious baby that he is. When in reality, I think we all know that probably that's not exactly how it looked. In fact, I kind of imagine that Joseph uh, probably had to keep hitting the donkey with a stick to stop the donkey from eating the fresh bed of hay that he had just laid his newborn child down in. You know, I know that the shepherds traveled by night after they had seen the angelic host and they showed up and it was like joy to the world, but I, I kind of feel like maybe Mary and Joseph didn't really view everything at that point as a joy to the world. You see, Mary and Joseph had just been forced to travel from a town called Nazareth to the town of Bethlehem so that they could be counted. Not because they wanted to be counted, by the way, but because the Romans who ruled over Israel at the time with an iron fist forced them to be counted. I would imagine that if Mary and Joseph had their way, they wouldn't have decided to travel across land with a donkey right before Mary's due date. If you have children, you know that it would be unwise to try to make your wife travel any far distance only days before she was due. I think that for Mary and Joseph, this season of their life was probably a bit stressful. Not only were they having a baby that was conceived through the Holy Spirit and angels had spoken to them about them, but Mary, who's in pain, has to travel by donkey to Bethlehem. The only way that I could imagine it, it would be like the leader of Russia telling you that you had to go to Disney World. But the only way you could get there is when you're nine months pregnant, you have to travel by motorcycle, you have to sleep outdoors. When you get there, you only get to visit Epcot, and that's only so you can give birth at the food court in front of Italy. It sounds literally terrible. When I think about Mary and Joseph, I have to think that they had to have been pushed to the extreme when it came to their stress and their exhaustion, and their anxiety levels. And not only that, but they had this looming threat of political unrest and the notorious bad temper and violence of the person who ruled over their land at the time, a man named Herod. If you don't believe me, let's actually take a look at part of the narrative around the time that Jesus was born. It, it's, it's a really powerful story. It comes to us from the book of Matthew in chapter 2. It says this, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he says. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for and kill the child. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him, and he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise, men, wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Wow. What a time to raise a kid. What a promising and a secure country to raise your firstborn son in. A world where the ruling authority on an emotional whim can decide to slaughter all of the children in and around a town because somebody took a different ride home. Jesus grew up in a very uncertain and troubling time. Even if the shepherds in the fields nearby were joyful, I can't imagine that Mary and Joseph were joyful or yelled joy to the world whenever they had to travel to Egypt. Whenever they had to pack up their newborn or possibly toddler son, 
and travel to a foreign country across a desert that their ancestors had got lost in, by the way, for 40 years into an empire that they didn't know. And Egypt at the time was still subjugated and ruled by the Romans, the very empire that they were trying to escape. And they had to live there until the man who wanted to kill their children had died. Can you imagine the stress and anxiety at that stage in Mary and Joseph's life as they're trying to raise their newborn son, the one who's supposed to be the savior of all mankind? They have to travel by foot or by donkey to a foreign nation to do so. The reality is that Mary and Joseph's life was far from easy. In fact, they probably went through more difficult things than most of us will do in an entire life. Can you imagine the guilt that they felt when they arrived in Egypt and they heard through word of mouth that Herod had killed every child around Bethlehem in search for their son? Can you imagine the overwhelming guilt that must have come about even if they knew that they had done the right thing? Yet today, we sing joy to the world. Because quite frankly, it is joy to the world. When Jesus came, it was the most joyous thing the world had ever or will ever see until his eventual return. My point is that all of the negative realities that Mary and Joseph faced did not stop Jesus from being the enduring joy of the world. Suppose you have faced some difficult times in 2020. You probably have. Let me tell you that Jesus was not unfamiliar with difficult political and social situations, things that we've been very familiar with in 2020. He was not unfamiliar with loss, something that many of you may have been familiar with this year. Perhaps you've lost someone from COVID or you're one of the many people who've lost someone in 2020 not from COVID and COVID just made it harder. And Jesus was well acquainted with suffering. Many of us have gone through some form of suffering at one time or another. In fact, Christians, not just Jesus, have all faced something in each generation that was likely more challenging than 2020. I was just dwelling on that the other day and thinking about it, thinking throughout Christian history and the history of the church, and almost every generation that's come before us has endured and persevered through something more difficult than what we are enduring or persevering through now. So how did they do it? How did they face all of the uncertainty, all of the difficulty, and still come out on top? I think it's really summed up in joy to the world. Their Savior reigns. Past generations of Christians, and Jesus included, faced difficulty because they knew the joy of the world. They faced it head on, and they came out on top because of their faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me about the suffering and the difficulties that previous Christians have gone through and yet stayed connected to the hope that was found in Jesus Christ, let's look at the words that Paul wrote when he wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans 5, starting in verse 3, Paul says this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength and character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. 
So how do we rejoice when we face trials of all kinds? We can only rejoice when we know the joy of the world. This is why joy to the world is such a powerful and important song, especially during a season when we've gone through so much in the past year, when we've endured trials, when we've stayed focused on Jesus, when we've tried to connect with him, but perhaps our joy is waning. Maybe we've been overwhelmed. Perhaps we're talking about joy and we sing joy to the world, but we don't feel very much joy in our hearts this Christmas season. So how do we reclaim joy? I think there's actually answers to that from the Bible through the song, Joy to the World. So what we're going to do is break down Joy to the World into four verses. And from each verse, we're going to draw one point that I believe can help us reclaim our joy given to us through our faith in Jesus Christ this Christmas season. Joy to the world starts off with these words. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. The Lord had come and the earth would receive her king. Something that's important in verse 2 is that in verse 1, it's clear that it's not just us who are receiving our king. All of creation would receive her king. But perhaps the most important part of verse 1 from joy to the world is let every heart prepare him room. The first step to returning to joy or restoring our joy in this season is this, preparing room for him. We need to start by preparing a room for him. For some of you, this means asking Jesus to come into your life for the very first time. Perhaps you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Well, today, you're going to have an opportunity to do exactly that. By the end of the service today, I am going to help you take that first step of faith and asking Jesus to come into your life. And you don't need to be here physically to do that. Yes, you online, in your living room, in your pajamas, right now, can ask Jesus to come into your life. To take that first step of faith and to claim joy, which we believe is only found in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the true joy of the world. But perhaps for you, you've known Jesus, you've asked him to come into your life, and you've prepared a room for him. Let me tell you that you can actually ask Jesus into your life and prepare a room for him and clutter it up with so much garbage that he cannot bring joy to your life because you're so focused on the garbage that you've allowed to clutter up your life. Let every heart prepare him room Meaning that we as followers of Jesus do need to prepare and consistently keep clean the place that Jesus lives at in our life. I know that this is a bit metaphorical, but follow with me. You may be so bogged down from sorrow that you don't want to let go. That you haven't been able to focus on Jesus, prepare a room for him, and reclaim joy. It's very possible, like many in our culture, bitterness and anger have taken the chief seat, the throne room in your heart during this season. And because of that anger and that bitterness, it has crowded out the voice of the joy that was in your life found through Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're too stressed, too busy, or too whatever else it might be to prepare a room for Jesus in your heart. 
I'm telling you that the first step to reclaiming joy is preparing a room for Jesus to live in in your life. And that room starts inside your heart. It starts in your priorities. It starts in what your life is truly focused on. And Jesus won't demand that space. If you crowd it out and clutter it with other negative things, it will always be difficult to find joy no matter the season that you're in. It's time to get the focus off of the many other things of life and return our focus back on him. The second verse of Joy to the World says this, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. This verse brings us back to a passage of scripture where we hear something that Jesus said as he was entering the city of Jerusalem just days before he would be crucified and raised from the dead. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 37, we read this. When he reached the place where the road started, that is Jesus, down to the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheer, tear, cheers, not tears, cheers. If we don't cry out with praise, no matter how hard life has been or difficult this season of life has been for us, the rocks, all of creation, the trees will cry out in praise for the Lord. Heaven and nature will sing, not just heaven, not just the angelic host and not just us, but all of creation everything that we see, the fabric of our being and the fabric of all being cries out in praise for its creator. This statement was particularly powerful. Maybe I would tell you that rocks would cry out and you would be, okay, yeah, my experience with rocks is the gravel in my driveway or the rocks that I skip on the pond by my house. But when Jesus said this, he wasn't at your house. He was in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is made almost entirely of rock. Why? Because they can only grow basically olive trees in their country, even to this day. And olive trees are terrible for building because they're knotted and windy and twisted and small. They're basically good for carving and growing olives. All of Jerusalem is made of stone because that is the only real resource for building that they had available to them. You don't realize in the passages that talk about the temple that Solomon built when he brought timbers from far away, how big of a deal that was because there isn't timber in Israel. So when Jesus said, if they don't shout, the rocks will shout, everybody around him knew that the rocks shouting would have been a deafening noise. The second step to reclaiming our joy this season is praise, praising God for who he is, praising God for who he is. Praise Jesus for coming into the world. Praise God for his nature as your loving heavenly father. Get your focus off yourself. Turn your focus back to Jesus. This is what happens when we praise. The third verse is a unique one. It says this, no more let sin and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found far as the curse is found, 
far as, far as the curse is found. Now you may be surprised by this verse when you read it slowly, when you read it outside of the melody. This verse doesn't seem like it has anything to do with the birth narrative. It doesn't have anything to do with baby Jesus in the manger, in the wise man, and the drummer boy, which isn't in the Bible, by the way. Well, that's because it doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. To be honest with you, joy of the world has nothing to do with Christmas. I was realizing that the other day. I have no idea why we sing it at Christmas. Perhaps, maybe it's because, maybe we sing it at Christmas specifically um, because it's, like a Christmas Eve vibe, angels singing, him coming to the earth. It's kind of exciting. But when you read verse three, you realize this actually isn't about the first time that Jesus came to earth. This is about his return. In fact, all of joy to the world is about Jesus' second coming. You read verse three, you realize it says, no thorns infest the ground, he makes his blessings flow. Well, after Jesus came the first time, sin continued to affect the world. Sorrows continued to grow. Thorns continued to infest the ground. And although his blessings did begin to flow, those blessings are nothing like what would flow after his return. This verse, this whole song, is about when Jesus comes back. And when he does come back, it's when Jesus makes everything new. He's victorious. The verse that says thorns infest the ground, well, when Jesus returns, not only will sin and suffering and sorrow be eradicated entirely, but there'll be no more thorns that infest the ground because this harkens back to Genesis chapter three where God cursed the earth and caused it to produce thorns and thistles that would resist the man when he worked the earth for the food that he needed. When it said that the blessings would flow, it looks ahead to the book of Revelation where we see the city of God, the new Jerusalem, and from it flowed two rivers and with it the many blessings and the joy of God himself. No, this passage is looking at the great, beautiful, and victorious return of Jesus Christ. When the curse on all of humanity would be reversed, when it says far as the curse is found, what does that mean? Well, this is talking about when God returns and he remakes creation in a perfect reflection of what it was originally intended to be with his sons and daughters who've been redeemed by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I know that's a lot of high churchy words, but when we look at the world, we know everywhere we look and at the deepest level, sin and corruption have impacted the way we see the world. It doesn't take long in 2020 to realize and look at the suffering and the difficulty that people have faced, to think about the difficult conversations that we've had to have, the hard and confusing times that we've had to navigate, made only harder by our loved ones who've come to different conclusions than we have, and looking at the powers that be in our world, infusing our world with fear and anger and aggression. It's not hard to see that sin has had an impact on every layer of society and every layer of creation. Far as the curse is found, means that when God comes back, when Jesus returns, that the curse of sin that impacts every layer, every part of society, every part of creation will be reversed. Sins hold its curse, will no longer have any hold on this world remade into perfection. How does this help us reclaim our joy? It helps us reclaim our joy because through this we can remember, our third point is remember that we are victorious. 
Yes, it may not feel like we're victorious today. It may not even feel like you're winning today. But when your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are always ultimately victorious. The final verse and possibly the best verse of Joy to the World says this. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. One of the many things that we as a staff here at New Life have learned during this COVID season, and you will hear from Pastor Chris and Barry both, is the importance of rest. We have learned about how important it is to rest. Both Pastor Chris and Barry will tell you about how the COVID season has driven them back to prayer, back to healthy rhythms, and back to a deepening relationship with God himself. And when I say that this season of COVID has helped me learn how to rest, I mean rest for my spirit, something that I am notoriously bad at. I have no problem resting. In fact, I can nap like a champ, a badge that I wear with honor. However, I'm not talking about resting through sleep, or maybe some of you need that time of restoration as well. Maybe you've been working far too many hours. I am talking about rest for the spirit. When I read Jesus talking to his disciples and say that he has a refreshing water, a living water that was good for the spirit, good for our soul, I feel that on a deep spiritual level. The reality is during this COVID season, I did not realize how desperately I needed the love of my Savior. I needed the wondrous love of God in my life. I needed to be loved by my Father. Now that might seem a little overly spiritual or even a little touchy-feely or overly emotional, but I'm telling you that experiencing the genuous, wondrous love of my Father in resting in His presence has restored a great deal of joy for me. So my fourth and final step to restoring joy this season is rest in your Father's love. Rest in your Father's love. His love for you is truly wondrous. And let me be clear, God's love for you is not based on how productive you've been during this pandemic. It's not based off of how often you pray or how eloquent you pray. It's not based on whether you've come back to physical church or because you've never missed digital church. He doesn't love you because you're wearing a mask all the time and he doesn't love you because you've never worn a mask. He doesn't love you because every morning you wake up and read your Bible. Jesus and God may love you because, may love some of those things about you, but they don't love you because of any of those things. God loves you because you are his. Nothing more, nothing less. And there's nothing more restoring, more glorious, more blessed. And there's nothing that touches us at a deeper level than resting in the wondrous love of our Father. As we close today, I want to remind you of the four steps that I've already addressed in reclaiming our joy this season. Prepare room for God in your heart. Praise him with all of creation. Remember that we are victorious and rest in the Father's love. Prepare room for God in your heart. Praise him with all of creation. Remember that we are victorious and rest in the Father's love. And I believe that if we remember and take these four steps this week, it will also be easy to take our next step this week. Our next step this week is this. I will reclaim my joy or help someone reclaim their joy this week. 
I will reclaim my joy or help someone reclaim their joy this week. Listen, you may be joyful in this season, really filled with joy, and that's amazing. You have an opportunity to help your brothers or sisters reclaim joy in their life. Perhaps they're overworked and you're not, and you have the opportunity to just watch their kids for a night so that they can find a time of restoration. Maybe you can point out the silver lining in somebody's life who feels completely overwhelmed, or better yet, instead of pointing out the silver lining, sit with them, be with them, and love them in a season in which they feel completely overwhelmed. And perhaps you're the person who's lost your joy this season. Maybe you feel like you can't find it. If you know Jesus, your joy is not lost to you. Your joy is lost in you. Let me say that again. Your joy is not lost to you. It's lost in you. All that you need to do is some steps, I believe, to reclaim that joy. Return your focus back to Jesus and off of the many problems that we're facing in the world today to reclaim that essential joy found in your Savior. And listen, if you don't know Jesus today and you're watching online with us, perhaps you're sitting at home and you stumbled into the stream, or maybe you've been listening to sermons for a really long time but have never really embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord, maybe you're just investigating or checking or exploring Jesus. Listen, you can go and look for joy a lot of places. What you'll find is happiness, which is temporary. You can spend another couple of years searching through jobs, careers, relationships, and hobbies, but your search for joy will always bring you back to Jesus because he is the joy of the world. And true joy is only found in him. You could take that first step towards true joy today by asking Jesus to come into your life and putting your faith in him for the first time. Here at New Life, we say putting our faith in Jesus is simple but not easy. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. B, believe. And C, confess. Admit that you're a sinner. That there's things in your life that aren't as they should be. Believe. Believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Believe that he not only did he come in the manger, but he died a criminal's death on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Overcoming, overcoming sin and death and making a sacrifice that you should have made, but that he made in your place. And see, confess. The Bible tells if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. Confess. Confess that Jesus is Savior, meaning he saves you from sin and death, and Lord, meaning owner of your life. I'm going to close in prayer here in a moment. And during that time, you can simply pray to yourself and say, Jesus, come in. I believe in you. I want that joy. I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. I want you not just as my savior, because I know I need one, but also as my Lord, my master. I want to follow you. As I close in prayer, if you want to ask Jesus to do that in your life today, I would encourage you to do so. There's going to be a link right in the chat where you can raise your hand and if you raise your hand in chat and give us a little bit of information about yourself, all that we want to do is help you start on the right foot. Trusting Jesus and Savior and Lord isn't the end of a path. It's the beginning of what God called a new life, a rebirth, a spiritual birth. We want to help you take those first steps, no matter where you are across the globe. We want to help you take those first steps walking faithfully
with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day and this time. I thank you for this online audience and the fact that we're able to gather together. I pray for any who are right now asking you to come into their life for the very first time, that you would touch their lives, that your Holy Spirit would come into them and change them. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now. Impact lives in homes all across Western PA and hopefully all across the globe. Bring people into relationship with you right now. In your name we pray, amen. As we go out this week and we prepare for Christmas, maybe you're coming on Christmas Eve, maybe you're not. Remember, Jesus Christ is joy to the world. Through all generations of Christians, no matter what we've faced, it's our faith in Jesus that has reclaimed our joy, that's given us strength and allowed us to endure not only what 2020 has thrown at us, but all that 2021 will. Thanks for joining us for worship today. We love you and we're thankful for you. Have a great week.